couple of weeks ago, I got a call. I was minding my own fucking business, and I got a call. And I called the number back, and it was Carlos Mencia. And uh, he said uh, he wanted to start going to clubs again. We were bumping into each other, and he said that he apologized for anything that ever happened between us or anything that he had ever done. And I said, listen, you know, I wasn't mad at you. Uh, you know, life is life, and life moves on. He said he was having a son, and he had been in therapy and whatnot. And uh, I thanked him for the call, and I didn't know what to think. I thought about it for a few days, and I uh, said to myself, I asked myself, how many people gave me a fucking second chance, you know? So I thought about it, and I called him one day, and we spoke. I heard he had showed up at one of the rooms uh, in the spot with some guys, Willie and Jeff Garcia and a bunch of other guys, and uh, he was very nice and very humble, and... Uh, I spoke to him again, and I told him I appreciate the call, and we spoke, and I uh, asked him if he'd want to talk about what he went through on the podcast and uh, all this stuff, and I uh, got to be honest with you, I did not want any anger or anything like that, so I kept the podcast light. I hope you enjoy it. I want to be around to... Pick up the pieces when somebody breaks your heart. What's happening, you savages? This podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Go to Onnit for their fine selection of supplements, weights, steel bats. If you need it, they got it. Alpha Brain, money back guaranteed, guaranteed. Go to Onnit.com right now and press in. Church. Bam! Get 10% off, bitches. Number two, when you laugh... The world laughs with you. You understand me? With CISO, you get unlimited access to CISO original series, next day late night, hilarious stand-up specials, and binge-worthy classics, including 42 seasons of Saturday Night Live. Go to CISO.com right now and get one month free with promo code JOEY at checkout. Again, S-E-E-S-O.com, promo code JOEY. Number three. You're smoking dope, you're jumping up and down, you're doing exercises, you want healthy snacks, right? Go to Nature Box. That's as healthy as can be. Whether you get the chocolate nom-noms or the salt and pepper lentil loops or the mini cocoa Belgian waffles, you know that you're getting the goods. Go to Nature Box right now and you get 50% off your first order when you use slash Joey. You understand me? Nature Box dot com slash joey i'm gonna give you 50 percent off your first order kick that motherfucking mule lee let's set this room on fucking fire oh shit oh shit i could feel it black people jumping up and down oh shit <laughs> fuck the riots in 94 this is the real deal right here Doom. Uh. here we go kick that mule lee what am i on fucking death thing here kick that motherfucking mule Bust those speakers. I want it to I want to see it light on fire like grandpa's fingers. It's the church of what's happening now, cocksuckers. April 26th. Uncle Carlos Mencia. The flying Jew. <laughs> the flying Uncle Jew. Uncle Joey Diaz. Bringing it to you, cocksuckers. What? Hit it, Lee. Kick that mule. Hit it, Lee. 
Let me see you wiggle, cocksucker. How many bongas you did tonight, Lee? Three or four, I think. Three or four. You did two, cocksucker. No, I didn't. I did you at least did three. Two. two. You didn't do the communist. You did two in front of me, and that's you all. Did, yeah, you didn't do the communist. I did week. at least three. <laughs> you already forgot. Oh, shit. Just when you thought it was safe. Here we go. Here we go. Oh shit. Oh shit. Manjale. Oh, I don't know what manjale means, but fuck it. It sounds like eat in, in, in Italian. In Italian. Manjale. Carlos Mencia in the house tonight. My main man, Lee Sayat, recovering from a few fucking issues. But he's back. He took care of everything and shit. He got a blood test. Everything's good. He's not pregnant. No, I'm not pregnant. You're okay? You're I'm, okay, brother? I'm he's doing okay. all right. Well, good for you. Carlos Mencia in the house. Good to have not you in the house, Not contagious anymore. It's a pleasure to see you, brother. I was telling you when you it's walked in. It's been a minute. In, I know you since 1994, August, when we did the Latin tour, me, you, and Jimmy Abeda. <laughs> I had seven, five, I had six minutes. <laughs> you made the mistake of giving me your number, and I called you every week for two fucking years. <laughs> I woke you up in every hotel city. Good to have you on the show, finally, man. Likewise, good to see bro. you. Good Likewise, to hear man. from you. Good to, and good you to know, know you're doing well, these man. These motherfuckers uh, forgot who the fuck the power of Mencia is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm trying, Carlos. You were there in the beginning. You yeah. were there. I never forget that you even called Scott Day for me. Of course. And gave me a reference. It was you, Doug Stanhope, and some other animal called Scott Day. Like somebody I least expected called Scott Day. And it was great when he called me and they gave me a showcase in front of Mitzi. And to this day, that's what I hold most sacred is that she passed me. Isn't that a great moment, dude? Like, like, and I know now. I mean, nobody. I mean, we're talking. We're talking a fucking air right now. You know what I mean? People don't get what that hierarchy is. Everybody thinks they're funny. The internet has made it so that you know, there's there's these YouTubers, and I ain't hating on them. Good for them. They got they got their fans. They, they sell tickets. Good for them. But they, they didn't they didn't go through that that we did. It's an indoctrination, an initiation, a, a place where we were like, hey, man. You're one of the three clubs, and if you want to get into the comedy store, the crazy place, the edgy place, the Kennison place, the dice place, the, the you got to go through Mitzi. She's the gatekeeper. She's the one. She's got to see you, and she's got to like it. And uh, man, it, it was it, it was for me anyway. I, I feel the same way, bro. I, I couldn't believe, and yet I was so naive and young, and I didn't know shit about comedy that it wasn't as big at the time. But, you know, to hear her going, you're going to be a non-paid regular. I was like, what the fuck? What is that? Who's a non-paid regular? I don't know what that is. And they're like, you're in, dude. You're in. But you don't get paid, but you're in. And this was back in the day. I don't know if you remember when they put two non-paid regulars and it said MP. And those two didn't get paid. And then everybody else behind it got paid. Now, what whatever year did it is. you get become a regular? 88. Oh, yeah. In 88, I was still fucking a... Uh, Camp George West Correctional Facility <laughs> right, right. doing my own laundry with you're rocks and shit. <laughs> you were doing time. And then when I got out, I got the, somebody gave me the What year did Mitzi, will Mitzi do that to you? 97, February. Okay. This was my 20th year anniversary. So that was nine years later than me, bro. When I got into comedy, you were already rocking and rolling. Yeah, I do. After, you were 93, 92, you already were rocking and rolling already. Yeah, I had already. Took, 94 <coughs> was my first HBO special. Before that, I had 
uh, Que Locos, and uh, let me see, there was another Comedy Compadres. So Comedy Compadres was just in L.A. on Channel 5. I hosted one of 13 episodes of that. Then a couple years later, I hosted, uh, uh, that was Comedy Compadres. Then there was like uh, Que Locos, or, and uh, so... Then Who that was on television. You, Pablo. Oh God, it was Willie. Oh yeah, it was it was all the young guys. It was, it was uh yeah me, Pablo, Willie, uh, all the guys that had three minutes. Like none of us. I had no fucking business hosting a show, bro. There's no way. I've been doing comedy for a year, two, three, maybe. I didn't have the kind of material. You know what I mean? So so much of it was just the the, the stupidest cheesiest shit that I could you know but there were 13 episodes so you gotta come up with 13 openings so um, I I remember that was a comedy compadres one and I did it but yeah I, I've never seen those shows again I would be ashamed to look at those shows right now I think I could get high maybe and watch them and laugh but sober I don't think I could watch them bro it's funny because every time I talk to Jimmy and I go to Denver he goes if you wanna come over to the house do you want to see the tape of you opening for Carlos? And I go, I don't ever want to fucking see that thing. Right? As long as I fucking live. Jimmy still has it, and he plays it once a week, and he watches it. I can't fucking, I don't ever want to watch any of that stuff. When I see a movie that I'm in or something like yeah. that, I switch it so fucking fast. I've never seen a home movie that I've been in. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, had to, I had to. You have to when you go to, you know, when you go to the premiere. Sometimes I would just go, shake hands, and get the fuck out of there. Oh, would you? Yeah, I can't sit there. I can't sit there, especially when I took my friends. That was a big mistake in New York. Why? What happened? Because you're with four of your fucking friends that you grew up with. Yeah. And they're yelling and screaming. Oh. And like, what <laughs> the fuck? Every time you come on camera, they're like, Joey! Yeah. It was <laughs> right. just fucking, what the fuck? <coughs> so now, 94, I meet you, and you had already the show on HBO. Yeah. At that but, time, I... I had done what was the name Local of that Slam, show? Local Slam, Local Slam, and the first HBO special, and then the next one came out the next. And year. then who was on Local Slam? Pablo, again. the same guys, really. It the was same the same guys. guys, except a little bit dirtier. You know what I mean? A little bit edgier. But that was the first time I I I put Juan Villarreal on TV. So that was like. So you knew Juan that long ago? Yeah, I knew Juan. Well, I met Juan right before I did that show, and I saw this kid. I was performing. At a black club, uh, it, it was uh, uh, God. What was the name of the black club in Houston back in the day? Uh, run by Rashawn Williams. Uh, anyway, they were the first ones to book me. <coughs> the regular club wouldn't book me, so they booked me. I went down there, and they had this kid opening for me named Juan. And that dude, just to this day, man, nobody makes me laugh like Juan does. Funniest rawest talent I've ever seen in my fucking life. He's the guy that I say, watch him. This dude is what we can't be. He makes anything funny. I love, love watching him. So I told the, I, I told HBO, you got to put this guy on. And they fucking put him on right after Crazy Legs Fonseca, which was fucked up. You don't do that. You don't make somebody follow a guy with cerebral palsy. Could, could you imagine, dude, there's a guy that comes out and he's like, I want you eating Cheetos. And the whole audience is going fucking ape shit, right? Ape shit. They're going ape and shit. And at that time, Fonseca was on fire. He was on fire. On fire. He was on, a good writer. Oh, fuck yeah. What I woke about? up and my dick was orange and we're like, oh, dude. What was his opening joke back then? I'm from Colorado. 
Wasn't it I woke up and my dick was orange? No, I woke up. I, I, I'm from Colorado, and we like to parachute or something to that effect. Oh, something that he was in a parachute yeah, accident. Yeah, he was in a parachute accident. That's right. And he's like, fuck parachutes and all this shit. <laughs> and you'd be howling, you know. He was killing it, though. Killing it. Dog, I met Fonseca in 91, and he had a dude that used to drive his van. Right. And the guy was a biker comic that yeah. his name was Toe Jam. I remember that name, but I don't know him. Toe Jam. Toe Jam was a biker dude. <laughs> Man, I'm going down the highway in my motorcycle. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's an MC. And all of a sudden, boom, I see him in the van right. with Chris Fonseca. And I go, see, yeah. you know, when you see that, I was a doorman at Wit's End. Right. And I'm like, how cool is that? And he's like, man, ain't that cool. I got to wipe his ass. And right there, that, <laughs> that just stopped for me. I was like, I got to wipe his ass. I'm not wiping nobody's ass. Fuck it. Well, that's part of the gig, though. That's I mean, you had gig. to do you it. You want to drive him? You got to, you know, you got to wipe him down when oh he tastes God, the shit. I just remember that. I forgot all about that fucking story. Toe jam. I got to do something about my memory. That's it good. disappears and it just shows up. It just shows up. Sometimes. I hadn't thought of toe jam in twenty <laughs> fucking years, and it just came out. I know, dude. I, I've. It happens to me all the time. But I mean, dude, I've been doing it now for twenty nine years, going on thirty, bro. Next year. Uh, in March, it'll be 30 years. So, dude, there's a lot of shit I forgot. A lot of shit back in the day. So many people that'll be like, hey, man, remember? And I'll, I'll see the face, and I'm like, you look older than I remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, it takes a while. Oh, my God. Dallas at the old improv because yeah, there used to be an improv there's an improv in Dallas but there used to be one in Fort Worth it's like the one in Fort Worth oh my god I remember it, it's it's yeah it's crazy people that started doing comedy that opened that did guest spots that just disappeared and went away it, it's it's dude it's, it's been a minute bro it's been a minute it really fucking has <laughs> is it scaring you or what bro listen Carlos when you're a guy like me I didn't think I was even going to make it to 50, not because I was hanging out with fucking the banditos and mafia, <laughs> right. just because of the lifestyle and sure. what I had gone through mentally younger. Sure. So now I'm 54, today at 10 o'clock. Do you know what I was doing, Carlos? What, in the morning? Yeah, what do you think I was doing today at 10 o'clock? Were, were you reading to one of your kids? No, I was at my kid's karate belt promotion. Oh, nice. At daycare. And the whole time, my wife afterwards, she goes, you had a weird look on your face the whole time. I go, let me explain something to you. <laughs> I was never in this world. I don't know about this shit. My mom would drop me off at karate and come back an hour later, you know, like two your hours mom, later. Your, your mom had karate. Yeah, Dude, my we mom were had poor. karate. We don't fucking karate. karate. Come on now. So it's just really weird that it, it's, my wife says, you're quiet at the house. I go, I got a little girl that prays at the table. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? What the fuck do you think I feel when she looks at me and she goes, Daddy, let's say prayers. Right. And, and, and fucking, who says prayers? <laughs> who says fucking prayers? I got a four-year-old telling me to shut up because yeah. I got to say prayers. You know? My 10-year-old does the same thing. Yeah. He says he says prayers every, every time we... Day. So we come from Every time a we go to bed, when we wake up. You know, we come from a different environment. So for me, yeah. I'm freaking out every fucking day. Not to mention, I'm 54. Is that scaring you too? The the big five zero. Doug, as soon as you hit five zero, yeah, it gets real. 
It should change. Because now you're in the real zone. Right. Now you're in the zone where Aaron Moran dies at 56. Sure. You know what I'm saying? You're like, motherfuckers die at 50. Like, yeah. Friends of yours start... When friends of yours start dying of non-accidents, shit's getting real. Shit's getting real. You know what I mean? When all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, man, remember him? He got cancer. What? So shit got real. Oh. And then I had a baby. Right. Like, it just didn't get real at 50, where you're like, wow, I'm 50. Right. It's all downhill after this. This is when the warranty ends. Remember, <laughs> remember Chrysler? Remember Chry- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chrysler had three years, 36,000? Oh, yeah. Whatever you hit this first. This was back in the day, bro. Back in the day. Whatever you hit first, right. three years at 36,000. Right. 50 is the day that they give you the paperwork, and they sign the paperwork, <laughs> and they go, listen, it's over. The well, every day from here on out is, from here is, on is on borrowed. It's like you've already paid for borrowed. the car. The car is in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's there's it. no warranty. It's list. it. It's really. Hard. Well, what, what happens? What happens when you when you start hitting fifty, bro? Is you? St- it, it's like it's like having an old car that you're gonna keep forever, and you realize that okay, so they go the water pump, man, it's no good. So then you fix the water pump and you put a new one in. Well, you don't realize that the hoses are used to the old pressure, not the new pressure. So all of a sudden you come in, boom, a week later, they go, you got to fucking replace your hoses. Now all of a sudden you got to replace your head count. No, that's where we are right now. We're getting to that place where, oh, my knee hurts. Well, you know what? You're getting arthritis pretty soon. You're going to have to get a, a new knee. But just, just hold on. We'll just keep it good. Oh, my, my elbow hurts. You got tennis elbow. That's not good. The tendons right here. It's not good. You know, you, you little parts of you start breaking up. And then you just realize, like, I got to start taking care of this shit. That's the other thing. I can't be. I can't you be, get serious. Right. I can't be going, oh, you guys want to play basketball? Fuck you that. get serious. <laughs> You're like, I ain't drinking diet soda no more. I ain't right? doing dick. Like, I ain't doing right? dick. I went to get the weed license yesterday because yeah. it expired last week. Yeah. And the guy took my blood pressure, and I was in shock. Yeah. It was tremendous at 3.30 in the afternoon. Usually by 3.30, my blood pressure is, Yeah. It's up there. It was good. Oh, yeah. It was like 140 over 80. Oh, wow. Which in my realm, that's I walk around at 180 over fucking 180. Wow. You know, it's like sometimes I walk into the doctor's like, what the fuck have you been doing, Joey? Like, I haven't been doing nothing. It's 8.30 in the morning. And then he'll go, give me 10 minutes, and then he'll come back, and it's normal. Okay. I'm one of those guys. But, you know, when I started doing this podcast, the main thing about this podcast was telling people about yes. what really went down, like what what went down with me, you know? And it's right. like, you got to remember, I was a guy who used to get up and go to the diner and put breakfast on the arm. Like, I would come to your restaurant and call us. I'm going to buy breakfast. I'll be here by four to pay for it. You go, okay, Joey. <laughs> I wouldn't have a dime on me. Right. After that breakfast, that was my comfort for the day. Now you got to go work, bitch. So now you got to go walk around. Remember that time you went to buy drugs at that dude's house? He said he had a day job. Let's go over there and see he was at his house in the daytime. You know, that was your mentality. Right. And then... I moved to like I got in prison, then I came out and I had a different mentality. Now I wasn't doing high level shit. I was doing under the radar type crime. So even if I got in trouble, right. nobody got their feelings hurt. You know right. what I'm saying? Like it right. wouldn't really affect the right. the status quo. What the does situation. that mean? No one got their feelings hurt. <laughs> like, like what kind of crimes are not big crimes? It, it's uh, it's it's those it's it's crimes that nobody is affected by. You walk into Kmart. In 1994. You walk out with an apple. You walk in there, you pick up a fucking $400 blanket, and you bring it up to customer service and go, my mother got me this for Christmas, but I have three of them. And they go, do you have a receipt? Not really. I got it for fucking Christmas. Right. 
And she would go, okay, it's $450. How do you want that? A check or cash? You know what? I'll take it in cash. Unless they're giving you 520 because there was tax. So they even give me the tax back. Right. You know, I was doing stupid shit like that. <laughs> those are, those so, are the moves, dude. So do you know what it's like to wake up in the morning and take your kid to daycare with your wife and giggle <laughs> and talk to people like, hi, how are you? Knowing that I did time 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's tough Bro. for me to be in that world. It. I never went. I never went to jail, but you know, for a while there, when I was younger, I sold coke. And dude, just coming from where I come from, and the school that my kid goes to, and all the celebrities and stars and people that drop their kids off at the same time that I do, that that shit's surreal, dude. That shit's crazy, bro. It just, dude, it's it's a whole different realm, brother. It's a whole different world, and I'm not, and I'm still not used to it, and I never will be. I just don't, I, I don't feel like I could ever be a part of that, and yet I am. And then part of me has to go, dude, chill out, relax. It's okay, you're okay, you're good. And then I kind of go, okay, all right, all right, all right. I am good. I'm good. This is cool. This is okay. These people are just people like me, and I'm just like them, and you know. Nobody's gonna discover that I'm a fraud. That that I belong here, and it's cool. It's it's tough though, man. It's not easy. You still work every week like a savage. Every week, bro. Every weekend I can. Yeah, but I mean, I'm gonna look. I I kind of stayed away from the comedy store. I stayed away from Hollywood for for a while, and now it's like I'm getting back into it. So I'll probably. End up on a show, you know, within the next year or so. And then I won't tour as much, but I'll still work as hard. I just won't be gone as much. Do you want to be back on the show? Um, I didn't want to until now. Now I feel like, yeah, I do. But it, 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 I felt like times kind of got away from me for a while. I just didn't have my pulse on where I needed it to be comedically. And that's why I just kept trying to find it. I just kept trying to work at it. And recently... In the past year, so I think I found it like I feel like okay, America needs the kind of comedy that I do right now the usurbic, the crazy, the political stuff, the the ethnic stuff. I feel like that stuff right now is really important. And I don't know how many people are doing it on TV, but I know that it should be done. So I'm like, all right, I, I could I could do a show about this stuff and, and work around it. So that's that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Now, did you get a degree in engineering, or you got were studying? A, a degree in electrical engineering. Never used it? Never used it. Never. You would think about it, you would go, you know what, fuck this shit. No, believe it or not, dude, I use it to, to write, because comedy is what's wrong, right? Comedy is what's wrong. So we, as comedians, go, look at this. This is broken. This ain't right. This is the way it should be. And so, to me, when you take out all the emotion, those are mathematic equations. In my head, when I write, I don't, I don't initially create the joke that's the emotion of the joke. I create the, the president is the leader of America. He should be the smartest person in the world, and he's not. That's not right. So then I can then put stuff in backwards and go... This is why it's wrong, and this is the way it should be. And that, to me, is math. It's not comedy. The comedy part comes in. 
Am I going to do an impression of him? Am I going to do an impression of somebody else? Is there a person in this joke? Is there not? Is it a, an excited joke? Am I angry? Am I? Then I put the emotion in it. Then it is, is it like a, wow, that guy? Or is it like, what the fuck? It, what energy comes into that bit? Then it begins to become an entire piece. But the beginning, bro, the colors. That's math, bro. To me, that's all math. It's, all it's math. nothing but math. You know, you've been here for about a half hour. And I'm looking at you. Like I said, I've known you for a long time, yeah. you know, and I could see the change in you, like how you slowed down. <laughs> I could see physically that you're a dad now. Yeah, not you only know? am I a dad, bro, but I mean. It's weird when you see somebody, they go, I got eight kids. Right. But they look younger than you. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. Now I could tell you have the dad stuff and uh, it's just, uh, it, it was good to see you. It was good to hear from you. The whole thing, you know, uh, I, I had Renazizi on the show one day. Here. Oh, nice, man. And um, when the show wrapped at the end, we were talking. He said that you had tried to call him or called him or reached yeah, out. Yeah. And I was like, you know, bro, that's the I go, that's the best thing, you know, whatever. He reached out. He said, hello, whatever. And then a month later, he reached out to me. It took me like a week to wrap my head around <laughs> the whole situation. Because when you called... You called offering something that a lot of people never offer in their life. They never do. And I wouldn't do it either until I got locked up, Carlos. Right. It took me getting locked up to right. finally go to people and go, hey, bro, can I talk to you for a second? That time I choked you. Right. <laughs> I feel you, dude. I feel I, you. I fucked up. Though. I feel you, dude. I fucked up. And if there's anything I can do in the future to help you out. Right. You know, whatever. There's a dude I poked in the eye one time. <laughs> Because he kept arguing with me, bro. At a fucking car dealership. <laughs> he pissed me off. So, and I was in, I was on probation. Dude, I'm laughing because I know how you feel. I was bro. on federal probation. Right. And this guy kept fucking with me about a right. restaurant. I kept going, bro. Right. I'm not going over. I'm going here. And he got in my face. And he was taller than me. He was tall. And I was on probation. And he crowded my space. And I fucking stuck my finger in his fucking eyeball. <laughs> and guess what? He showed him at my comedy show at the Denver Comedy Works. Oh, no way. And he, before he could say to me, like, I'm sorry about that dago dog, first off, I had no right touching you. Right. Like, no matter what the fuck you said to me. Right. And then after the show, we talked again, and he goes, I couldn't even fathom my head about what you said. Like, the day you contacted me, Carlos, it blew me away. Oh, no way, man. It blew me away because... Even what's going on in the news, everybody blames everybody else. Right. You know? And it drives me fucking crazy. And there's times that I see somebody doing it, and I go, you know what? And it wasn't until I took responsibilities, you know? Right. And it was nice what you said. You go, I'm going to have a child, and I'm going to start coming around, and I just don't want no ill feelings. And Carlos, I never had ill feelings for you. I swear to God. Oh, that wasn't it. Not at all. It Not was about all. me, though, dude. No, I know. I know you know what you're I mean? coming from Because me. I, listen, man... Uh, I'm a different, we all grow, we all evolve. I was a young kid who discovered comedy when I started doing stand-up. I, I didn't have any idols, I didn't, I didn't know what stand-up was. I just remember I would go to work uh, at Farmers Insurance and I would tell these guys about stuff that I saw on the news that pissed me off that I thought was absurd. I wasn't trying to be funny. They were the ones that said, you should do stand-up. I didn't know what stand-up was. I started doing stand-up at that time. And I come from the projects. You know, 
it's funny when I hear people say, hey, man, you ever go back to the projects? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you know, back to your roots, back to you, where you grew up, back to those. And I say, look, I don't know about anybody else, but those people never supported me. When I told them I was going to do comedy, all I heard was like, if you're fucking funny, whatever. There was never a like, you know, until I started coming out on TV, then they were like, hey, bro, you're from here and all that shit. But before that, there was no support. It was like, you're stupid. You're dumb. You're not going to make it. What's wrong with you? Why are you standing? And I remember the first time I went to the comedy store, I, I walked off stage and somebody tapped another comedian and he goes, he was a Latino comic, quote unquote, at the comedy store at that time. And he goes, dude, there's your replacement. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck? What is this? And I remember just going, you know what? I I can't deal with all this stuff. I can't let this in my head. I need to, I, I, I can't give up being an engineer to do comedy and not make it work because... This is my family depending on me. I mean, I was the first one to, to really come out and be able to get a good job as an engineer. Do you have any idea? Dude, my family had an intervention for me when I started doing stand-up. I mean, they literally sat around and told me that I was st- stupid and ruining my life. And so when I started going to the comedy store and there was all this back and forth and all these comics bickering... I said, you know what? I'm not going to get into this. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't hang out. I went in there. I did what I did. I left. But I needed I needed to feel like... I remember walking off stage and going, man, I killed. And the you know the older comics who knew how to kill, they'd look at me like, what is, what is, what is up with this kid? But for me, that was the best I'd ever done. And I had to look at it that way. I couldn't sit around and go, well, yeah, I, I got to grow. I, I, I had to be that guy to deal with everything that came at me at the time. And what ends up happening is, you know, after a while for me, after Minor Mencia, after all of it, going out on the road, I had to look back and go, all right, man. There are a lot of comics out there that don't like you. A lot of comics you don't even know don't like you. What is that all about? And I had to go, it's got to be something that I did, that I said, that I, it's got to be me. It can't be all of these guys. And um, that's when I kind of started going, okay, how did I behave toward these people? How did I behave toward those people? And I had to say to myself, look, dude, you, you were a dick. You were, you, were, you were cocky as fuck, arrogant to others. And you went into the comedy store, granted. I grew up where other comics, when they made it, they would come and bump us and run the light. Paul Mooney always ran the light. And, you know, I, wa- I, f- I felt like I earned it at that time and I wanted to do the same. But I came at a time of transition and I didn't pay attention to those around me. I didn't give a shit. You know, somebody would say, oh, you're going to bump me? I-, I got shit to do or whatever. I mean, I think most of the time I would say, okay. But other than that, I... I think a lot of those guys felt intimidated, and when they got a chance to shit on me, they did. And I, listen, bro, don't get me wrong. There were times where I had a gun in my hand and I was going to go to the comedy store and shoot some people. I mean, it was it were dark, bro. There were dark moments, like really dark, suicidal, homicidal thoughts. Um, it, it wasn't always pretty, bro. But I got to a place where I could say, you know what, I need to. 
look at how I've treated people and l- talk to these guys and set it right because I don't want to step foot at the improv, the comedy store, whatever the comedy club is and feel that look that I felt for 10 or so years of like, oh, fuck, there's that guy. Um, and I just don't want that anymore. I don't know how everybody's going to react that I talk to, but I'm calling everybody that I feel I did something to or might have done something to to just say, hey, man, I'm sorry that I treated you that way. You deserve more respect, regardless of regardless of me having a TV show. And at the time, Steve is he not having a TV show? I didn't have to bump them and you know go on 30 minutes longer than I should have. I did, but I didn't have to. And now I look back at that and I go, okay, that's what you had to do. That's how you felt at the time. Good. Move on. Stay in your place. So that's where I'm at now. It's so weird how I saw the whole thing unfold. <laughs> and it's so weird how when you called, I mentioned Amy Schumer to you. And I said, you know, I'm sitting here. Amy Schumer released a special. Amy Schumer released something a year ago. And then she released something on TV. They attacked her. And then she released this last special. And I didn't, guys, I'm in my own world sometimes. I got the right. baby. Sure. I shot this thing for Animal Planet. You're on the road. You, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, one day I go to the comedy store right. about a month ago, and mm-hmm. I go into the back. They have a back area outside. I haven't, I haven't been. They have a bar, and they have a back area outside. I had to wait. I don't want to sit in there because I got anxiety when I sit in the kitchen. Okay. You know, I look at the waitresses. I said, they're 20 years old. I'm fucking 50. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> right. What am I doing with my life? Sure. So I go outside. I'm sitting out there, Carlos, and all of a sudden, these younger comics, which I, they knew me. I didn't know them. I can't lie to you. Right. They're talking about Amy Schumer and how she got a one rating and how they're accusing her of this and they're accusing her of that. And I sat there and I didn't say two words because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I speak when you don't know what the fuck. But I listened. Right. And I knew that all their accusations were upon words. Like, what this guy said this and this guy said that. And I didn't say a word. I got on stage. I got my car. But on the way home... I said to me, I said to myself, one thing about life is that once you succeed in this game, they come out from all over. Right. They come from all over. I got listen. I went to the store. You, yeah. you, uh, <laughs> this guy Doug Stanhope called, and they told me you got to wait six months. I got here January 29th. I got a call February fucking tenth. Telling me you got a showcase for Mitzi Shrew. I go, I thought it was six months from now. We go, we had a fallout. I went there, I did three minutes. She told me, Can you do 10? Come back next week. Come back I, I next like, week. I and like, do I, like 10. I like I like Cuban people. Oh, that was she said? Yeah, that's what she told me. <laughs> then the next week, she passed me February 19th on my birthday. And when I walked out, she goes, You're a regular now. I have an idea. We'll dress you up like Fidel. Oh Jesus! And you go up on stage oh, with a Jesus. cigar, and I'm like, okay, Mitzi, blah 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 blah. <laughs> so now I moved down here with a bunch of dudes from Seattle. Right. I'm down here with Brody Stevens and Josh Wolf oh, and fucking Brody, bro. all yeah. these dudes, and they all come to the comedy store to see my debut at 11:30, and I'm ready to go up. I got my water bottle. Right. I decided to go up there and right. bomb for 16 people. Sure. And I get a tap on the shoulder. It's my main man, Eddie Griffin. Yeah. He goes, play it. Let me. Hear. 
I'm gonna try this new bit and uh-huh. shit. <laughs> I'll be up there for 15 minutes. Uh huh. Dog, it was fucking an hour for one an hour later in the morning. Sure. Dog. You know, did I come back the next day and kick him in the stomach? Guess what? I understood the rules. But I the, knew rules the rules changed, though. The rules changed. Well, the rules were bent and bent and bent and bent and bent until they just broke. Right. Until they just fucking broke. Exactly. The rules kept. Listen, I don't. I, I don't. I don't mind somebody coming in. When I got there, when I first got to the store, you weren't really there, but Gary Shanling was still right. coming in. Right. Andrew was still coming right. in. And you know what? Andrew bumped. Sure. Animalistically. Everybody. Everybody bumped. Here's the weird thing. And and again, like this sounds like an excuse to a lot of the young comics. This is the way it used to be. I never, ever, ever got on stage at the comedy store that I can ever remember on time, anytime after 9.30. And Mitzi would always put me on late because she didn't want me on early. So she would give me a 10.30 spot. Dude, it was always 12. It was always 12. It was always somebody coming in. It was always, oh, Martin Lawrence is here? Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, Martin Lawrence. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? It it, it, it was, it was just, it was always somebody. There was always somebody. And I never got mad because I didn't know the rules. And I was a young punk. So I was like, oh, is this how this shit is? Okay, fuck it. I worked at the store. So unlike most comics, I didn't give a shit. I'm working the door. So does it matter if I go on at 10 or 1 o'clock? No, I don't care. It never bothered me, but it did burn a little hole inside of me that I said, you know what? When I get the chance, I'm going to do this shit, too. And by the time I came around in, you know, 05, 06, when I really started hitting, these young comics were like, hey, you, whoa, whoa, you can't do that. I, I, I remember one comic who said, if he goes on before me, I, I'm not going to perform. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Don't fucking perform. Because back in that time, I thought, dude, what do you? I never thought of not performing. I would never ever think, dude. If there were three people at the store and the manager was like, you got a spot, you want to go on? Yeah, I want to go on. There's only three people. I don't care. If I if I make them laugh, I know the stuff is good. But it was just a different time, bro. And I just never adjusted. I never adjusted to the different time and the different I people. I still remember, dog. This is the funniest Carlos Mencia story ever. I'm at the store. I got a host at 8 o'clock, 7 to 10. I'm hosting. I used to usually host. In the, in the, on Mondays? Sunday. On Sunday. It's a Sunday night. And I'm hosting the 7 to 10. Mitzi's coming in. They had me from 10 to close but Mitzi was coming in and she wanted me to host the the showcases because I moved them right along. Right. So I get there and there's a bunch of cars in the main room. It's something about Christmas. Right. And you're in the main room and it's Sanchez and and uh Freddie Soto got a oh, bless God. his soul. Rest his soul man. Just a bunch of young Spanish guys. You know, I was hosting, nobody asked me, I didn't say nothing, I didn't give a fuck. I go up there it's 7 o'clock. Now, I'm hosting, and I'm walking back and forth. Right. So then towards 9 o'clock, yeah. it's the 10-minute spots. Yeah. So I would have 10 minutes to walk to the bar. Sure. And I remember going to the bar one time and seeing all the young Spanish dudes huddled up. Yeah. Like, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go first, and then I'm going to go second. Right. And Johnny Sanchez is going to go third. Right. And you had just started the show, and they all ran in. They, they're like, he's only going to do 15 minutes. <laughs> 
I'm bringing I'm going back and forth every 10 minutes. I'm going back and forth. Whoever was hosting at 10 didn't show up till like 10.30. I fucking get off the stage at 10.30. I go back there to see who's on stage. You're still, it's still me, bro. on stage. Dog. Oh, my God. Now I'm done for the night. I go get a package from the doorman. Right. I start drinking a few cocktails. <laughs> I walk around. I go to the bathroom. I do coke. I mingle. You, I go back there about 11 o'clock. Color. I'm still on. You're still on stage. <laughs> and those poor little Latino boys were sitting there like like little right. poster boys and shit for the wall. Right. They're just laying there cracked. Right. Cracked. Like they were cracked. Yeah. And I was like, I could understand, but here was the thing: Mitzi was there that night. I remember. Yes, yes. And she told him, "Don't give him the light." She told the guys to not give me the light. So after about forty-five minutes, and I looked and I realized they weren't giving me the light. I said, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna keep going." Oh my god! Because, but here's the thing, those, and I realized this: those dudes had Pete family poor in the guys. audience. Oh, poor! They Pete, were dressed in guys. their best suits and oh, shit, bro. They shine their shoes. Bro. They brought their grandmother from Mexico, dude, and they're fucking like sitting there, <laughs> dude. It was I can't even imagine the pain those poor guys went through. I can't even imagine. But here's the thing: could you make their family laugh? Well, I I was killing it, but here's the point. I, I at the time, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't party, I didn't hang out, I did nothing, bro. All I had was the stage. The stage was my love. The stage was my mistress. The stage was my lover. It, that was it. And I was always writing, creating, you know, because I had to do a new special. It was always about a new special, and. It, it just never stopped in my head, bro. And I just was so, you know what it was? At a certain point, bro, at a certain point, I started hearing a lot of noise coming in. You know what I mean? And I remember there was a point where I went, fuck the noise. And I was like one of those horses, bro, with the with the blinders on them. All I could see, dude, is this. That was it. I couldn't see out there. I couldn't see sides, just forward. That's all I can see. And I wasn't bothered by going on long because I was like, do you know how many times this has been done to me? I just, uh, it was one of those, you know what it's like? It's like a dad who abuses his kid. And then you realize that he was abused as a kid. And at, to a certain point, you feel sorry for him. But at a certain point, go, dude, you got to stop being your kid. You, you got to grow up. You got to stop being that father. And that's the transition that I kind of had to make, which was, you know what? Just because it happened to you, it doesn't mean that it's okay to do it to these guys. It's a different time. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. I could sit there and do jokes about millennials. You got your shit handed to you. You don't want to deal with the adversity we had to deal with. It. You deal with it too. I came in at a time when hazing was no good anymore. You know what I mean? I was one of the last fuckers to get hazed. And it was like we were in that generation. So what do you do? I I kind of fucking went the opposite. And I realize now, like like that story you're telling, bro. You know, to those comics there, if nothing else for that night, I owe Johnny Johnny an apology for that, man. You know, you you really might have been there with your mom. You really might have been there with somebody important. You really might have told somebody, hey, 
this is fuck that you might have had somebody from CAA there or from APA or you know your first manager or agent because that was the main room and it's packed and I'm gonna do some time and I already had all of that and I went up there and and I was funny for way longer than I had to be I could have been from for 20 minutes and stepped off and then had the same effect and I didn't and those are the moments that I look back at and go all right I I can't take that back but I I, I do all those guys an apology that was not fucking cool and as funny as it can be I was laughing <laughs> it's 20 years ago and listen I gotta be honest with you I'm gonna be as honest as I can with you sure man God forbid tomorrow yeah they put me on hobo suck dick Oh and I'm the host of Sober Hobo Sucking Dick. Sure. And it becomes the biggest show on Netflix. Sure. And I start selling fucking theaters out. By the way, I want to I wanna watch that right, show. Right, Like, just get a bunch of Hobo, hobo Sucking dick. dick is a great show. It's a show. pitch I've had in my mind for a few weeks now. Because it's the even, opposite of the chick in the van that yeah, goes bangs I'm, I'm random even, guys. I'm not even going to invite the networks onto this. <laughs> I'm sitting on my own gold mine. Don't even think about it. I already got a list at the Writers Guild before the strike. There you go. I ain't fucking. That's the name of the show. Just Hobo <laughs> Sucking Dick. You're driving dick. a van, disco style, <laughs> with a picture of Burt Reynolds That's in beautiful, there. Beautiful, baby. And you pull him up and go, oh, listen, hobo, how much is this sucking no. up? Anyway, uh, it, it, I laugh. I, I could tell you, look you in the face as a man and tell you, Eddie Griffith bumped me 150 times. He did the same to me, bro. And I could look you both guys in the face and tell you, if I see Eddie Griffith today, I give him a big hug. Yeah, I didn't get mad about that at all. I understood it. Right. I understood it. And I understood it from day one. Me, in my mind, I, I can never walk into a place <clears throat> and bump. I'm really happy that they took that out of the store yeah. just to smoothen things out with everybody. Yeah, I they agree. They just said, you know, I think the improv, you can still walk in there and go, I'm going up and doing three hours, and they'll let you. You know how many fucking Dave, yeah. times Damon Wayans <laughs> bought me a new talent night right. at the Improv. I mean, we, we barely got an open mic at the Improv when I moved here. Barely. Wednesdays, 10 o'clock, three, three comics. I always got on the list, and fucking nine weeks in a row, Damon Wayans bumped me on fucking principle. So you learn the bump. I still remember I was a regular at the store. I was a regular at the store since the day I came out of my mother's fucking pussy. <laughs> right. Okay. Me too, by the way. Okay. Let, let's be honest. I was a regular at the store. And the way God wanted it was I was going to go to the comedy store. Because even when I was eating dicks as a young comic, like I was never a young comic, but people go to me to Mitzi Shaw. But Mitzi it is Shaw. a, you were a young comic. You weren't a young man, but you were a young, yeah, a young comic. comic. People would go to me, is Mitzi Shaw seen you yet? And I would go, no, I'm not ready. So when I walked in there, I got in in there, and I got in on a good time and the whole fucking deal. You know what? I'm too high. I forgot what I was going to tell you. What was I talking about there? We are talking about something. When you were a young comic. About the comedy store, you were a young comic. You were always yeah. born to be and in the comedy store. Like yeah. I was always born to be at the fucking comedy store. And I learned a lot about comedy at the comedy store. Me and too. I learned about a lot about life. You know, Me too. When I was in prison, I didn't think about comedy. But one day on the fucking the library, the fucking librarian gave me this book. He goes, read this. It's Lenny B Bruce's book. Right. This is when he told me, you got to get on stage. You're right. funny, whatever. He gave me, and I read the book, and I believed in something, Carlos. After I read that book, I go, you know what? 
I may not be in the mafia, but I want to get into this comedy mafia. Right. I want to shoot heroin, and I want to <laughs> hang out with strippers at night in New right. York City. I mean, this is what I want to do. You know, I feel you. This is what I want to do. I'm okay with that. You know what? If we do heroin, we do heroin. Right. If we do meth, we do meth, but as long as I get to eat that chick's pussy, right. that's what I thought comedy right. was. And, and But I also read those things, and there was a lot of a bond between those guys. Yeah. So when I got into comedy, I really believed in that bond. When I was in right. the, when I was in the open mic scene in Seattle, we had that bond. You know, right. we'd do shows and split seventy percent of the door, and then right. all of us would go eat cheeseburgers. And, sure. And then when you move to L.A., you still think you have that bond, and right. boom! One day I'm a regular at the store. It's now I'm part of the motherfucking Marines. Right. Now I'm part of the motherfucking Marines. But at the same time, you got to look behind the curtain at the store. Right. You got to look behind the curtain, and you got to look, and it's a fucking hard reality at the store. Even it's, if you get four spots a week, and you look behind the curtain, yeah. and you start to see how the business works, it's very hard to handle when you're not successful. Right. I can't imagine how fast it was coming at you. You got on stage in '88, and in '92 you already were on TV in LA. Whether it was Dude, LA, '91, bro. Whether it was 91. LA or Scandinavia. '91, dude. In '91, I I won Star Search in Spanish. So I'd been doing comedy for like two years, bro. When I won Star Search in Spanish, on on Univision. So by the time '92 came around. And we did comedy compadres, dude. That was already, I, I had already done TV. I'd been on it, not you know, and and I had to do the the shows in Spanish because uh, it was for Spanish television. But so, dude, I I got in quick, man, and I started you know doing stuff really quickly. So my. TVQ, so to speak, here was was big right away, man. It, it was big right away. I, you know, I I pretty much could do anything at the comedy store for 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 a long time, long time. for a long time. And then I just kind of realized, like, you know, I, I I guess I just pushed enough people's away that there just came a time where I showed up and I just it did not feel it, it didn't feel like home, bro. It felt, dude. I felt like I was going to. <coughs> I felt like shot. I was going to that fucking aunt's house, who hates the fuck out of you and your family, and is gonna talk shit about your dad and how your mom shouldn't was better than your father and all that kind of stuff. That's what it felt like. I just, it just felt, it just felt horrible, man. And and I want and I, and I went for a few months feeling that way, thinking that it would change, and oh, it just didn't. And then I said, but I don't know, about seven. 10, 7 years ago, I slowly stopped going, bro. And I haven't been in, I don't know how long. Hold that thought. Let me give some shout-outs to Middle. He says, no fucking misunderstandings. How about a shout-out to my man, Corey Hanna, Clan Stonewell, Robert Santoya, Corey Keen, Brian Fedorko, Carl Mann, Dom De Niro, Covergeist, and Umberto Grantu. How you like that, motherfucker? You know what I'm saying? Just who who are these people, bro? Just people who follow the fucking podcast. Oh, that's nice, man. They say nice things. They're having a bad day, whatever. Don't forget, I'm at Wise Guys next weekend in Utah. And then 512, I'm in Milwaukee at some fucking theater. I don't know where it is. And then Detroit <laughs> sold out. I don't know. 
the the magic cat, the magic bag, the magic castle. The, no, it's not the magic fucking castle. Next the comedy time. castle. I got a magician who's, who's trying to kill me. Is it at the comedy castle? Is that it? No, no, no. It's the magic bag or the magic hat. Oh, okay. It's, it's a, just a small theater. Dude, you're going to love Utah, bro. They, oh, I they always, moved. Yeah, yeah. I Have you been in the there. new one? Oh, no, no, not yet. Oh, so the new one is... Uh, Dude, it, I don't I don't know what street it's on, but if you end up taking your GPS, you're going to go through where all... There's one street where all the homeless people live, and then two blocks down is, is this... It's pretty nice inside it. And the comedy, the comedy club is inside like a mall. It's really good, but it's really nice now. It's really, really nice. Maybe it's not take, the same old place where it used to be. Maybe I should take my special hobo suck dick while I'm there. Oh, dude, you know what I'm saying? That should have worked and there. The Mormon state. <laughs> that should have worked there. You know, Carlos, it's weird. Well, when I got to the comedy store, like I was saying, I felt like I was a marine of comedy. Right. Even though I sucked, even though I got eleven fifty-five spots, dude, I got twelve spots and for I had years. To follow Mooney and oh. the whole fucking deal. It's still, I belong to something. Yeah. I belong to something that was cool, you know? That's how I felt. And I remember, I don't remember the date, Carlos, but you went up there. You would go up there, and everybody's fo- re- feathers would ruffle. Right. You know, I mean, it was, and you knew it. You felt it. Yeah. And then by that point, I could tell in your face that you were like, listen, you're going to hate me anyway. Yeah, it was. I could tell in your, bro, I've been there. I've it been was. there. I've been there. So I understood that. And I also, I, by, I started at the store in '98, and it was I would live and die for the store. Me too. Okay, and then by 2005 was when I felt a shift changing. Oh, I yeah. felt something weird at the store. What I, was I, that? I remember getting surgery. You know, I'm Spanish, bro, and sure. I'm from a Catholic country, and I'm superstitious yeah. and voodoo. Mm, yeah. And I'll never forget, like, 2005. Are you a Santero? Yeah. Oh, 50 okay. years. But I remember 2005, I got a ball taken out of my neck. Remember I had a fat ball? Do you yeah, remember yeah, I yeah. let you touch it? Like, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. touch it. Lee, it would just swell up. Well, I took the fat ball out. <laughs> they had to break my shoulder to take the ball out. And I'll never forget that. I looked. The doctor said, do you want to look at the fucking ball? And the first thing happened when I looked at it, Carlos, first thing I thought of was the comedy store. No shit. And I remember going home with that feeling and going, it's time for me to take a oh, breather. And really? I know this is my logic. If I started in Michigan at the Magic Castle, right? at the, the castle in Dearborn, whatever yeah. the fuck it is, you're an MC for two, three years. Sure. You become a feature for two, three years. Right. And for a year, you're kicking ass, so they let your headline right. on New Year's, uh, right. New Year's Day, yeah. Thanksgiving Day. Sure. After... A year, if the club manager's a good guy, he's going to come up to you and go, listen, Carlos, I love you to death. You got to get out of here. You can stay here. You got to get out of here. Right. But if you look at the watch and you really, really want to be prepared and come out here and not suffer, right. it should be like at the six or seven year mark. Yeah. And that's, that's what where, I tell you in comedy. And comments. that's where I was at the comedy store. Because you came when you were funny. Mm-mm. I was just starting to feel my way. I was but doing comedy six years. No, but you were funny. I wasn't ready at all. There was people who were headlining. I the first two years of comedy. I um, didn't think so. I thought you were ready when you first showed up at the comedy store. I had I thought you were raw. Remember when you have thirty minutes and then you move and you have eighteen? Once I left Seattle uh, <laughs> I went from having thirty minutes to fucking eighteen. Yeah. yeah. But it was so weird that after I saw that ball, yeah, I said I gotta watch the store. 
Yeah. That's it. I got felt that. it was cancerous. It was no, it wasn't cancerous. It was not no, that. No, no. No, the no comedy no, no. star. No, 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 not at all. I just felt in a way that that was it. I overstayed my welcome. Okay. That's how I felt. Okay. And I'll never forget that one night uh we're just gonna say different words here. Okay. At the time the club manager came out to me. Uh-huh. One night. A friend of mine was on tour with some other people, mm-hmm. and he came outside to me. And he goes, "Listen, I just want to give you a message that when uh, I saw the whole hand unfold, Carlos, right? They came to me and they go, when your friend comes back, tell him there's no more forty minute spots on Friday.' And I looked at them and I go, well, why don't you guys tell him when he comes back? What are you fucking telling me for?' Right. And uh, I told my friend he giggled it off and then about a month and a half maybe two months later mm-hmm. I get a call from the same manager at the comedy store mm-hmm. and he goes I just want to throw something at you he goes the other night such and such was on stage and Carlos came in and bumped him I don't think it's right what do you think and I go is such and such on a TV show he goes no I go even Mitzi's rule is, he's not on a TV show, Carlos is a TV show, Carlos bumps him. Right. And he goes, well, I disagree with you. What they were trying to do was get a message sent from me. Sure. And I rejected them at the gate. Right. I rejected them. This is a true story, <laughs> Carlos. But I knew, now I knew shit was brewing. Right. In all different directions. Yeah, it was. Just not at once. And all I of know. a sudden, Carlos... And I was telling this to Willie Bar Center. Yeah, I was talking to him in the end. One day, I'm sitting there watching the Super Bowl, minding my own business. And the Super Bowl just starts. Two, three minutes in, who's coming on TV but Carlos Mencia. And I sit there, Carlos, and I swear to God, for 10 seconds, I was happy for you. Yeah. And for 50 seconds, I felt bad for you. Right. I said, this is the beginning of the end. They're all coming out. Sure. That's it. That's it. They're throwing darts at him right now. Well, the difference was this, is that normally that happens, right? That happens. But normally those people have friends. They have, you know, people that like them. They have, you know, a good... Dude, I became beyond toxic. I mean, there was a point in time in comedy where if you said, I like Carlos at a comedy club, 10 comedians would come around and fucking tell you that you yeah, the truth. you ain't shit no fuck yeah, you you don't know that guy it was it was it was beyond anything any any comics has ever has ever dealt with from that perspective but again i gotta look back and go those people didn't like me because i did something to them i bumped them i went along before them i did both whatever the fuck it was those guys were mad. They they felt anger. And you can't tell somebody in life, you, you can't be hurt. It's like when my, my son's 10 and he does or says something. I, I can't tell him your feelings aren't real. I can't tell him. Yeah, because I, I, I don't want to do what my dad did and say, you you know, you, you don't have a good enough reason to cry. My son's crying. He's crying. That means he's hurt. So what are you hurt about? You know, I can't. I don't demean why they're why he is hurting. So I just kind of had to say to myself, uh, dude, it, it, it's you created this. 
you know, for all the reasons that I know. I didn't hang out. I didn't drink. I didn't party. I didn't commute. I didn't have a lot of friends in that respect. I did my time. I got the fuck out. But I could sit there and go, yeah, you know what? What I got was undeserved. It was it was a hate on a level that was just fucking, it was like a machine. It wasn't just random people not liking me. It was random people not liking me and then coming together and then just a machine going after me. And, you know, you would go on a podcast of anybody's podcast at the time. And it was like, dude, you didn't open for that guy. And if you did, you better tell stories about him being a dick. And it just it for a while, it was like, whoa, fuck, I, I don't deserve this shit. This, this, this I've helped Freddie Soto. I, I brought him on the road for three years when he wasn't a comedian and he was trying to be funny. I helped him. I put him on a TV show called The Three Amigos. I put him on a tour called Three Amigos. I helped, you know, Pablo Francisco. And when he was doing all the crazy stuff, I was the one saying, hey, come hang out with me, dude. Let's not. You don't have to do that crazy shit. Uh, And on and on and on. Listen, bro. A lot of comics have sat in that chat. Yeah. Three or four of them. And a lot of and said that you were always very generous and very good to them. Bobby Lee yeah. to Steve Renazizi. That's one thing that they've always said. And they had whatever, whatever happened. You know what, man? But that's my point. And I, it, it, I had to deal with all that stuff. And I, I had to go to therapy, bro. And you know what I mean? Deal with my issues, deal with their issues, and accept. And I'm at the place today where I could say, I can honestly say, barring a few, few people that... You know, I really treated shitty. Um, I, I, I don't believe that I deserved all that craziness that came my way. But that being said, I forgive them, man. I forgive them because they were hurt, and they were hurt, and they got even, and that was a way of getting even. And that's what that's what happens, bro. That's life. When we get poked at, we want to poke back, and they poked back, and they poked as hard as they can, and they poked where it could hurt the most. In my comedy career and the integrity of what I do and and you know it, it had its effect and now I think it's time you know for me to kind of just let everybody know like I said for those who I need to apologize to I'm going to apologize and for those who I need to forgive they've already forgiven it's I'm I've moved on it's a two way fucking street right you know it's funny Carlos because I apologize to the guy kidnapped Right on this podcast, I I haunted him for three years on social media, not embarrassing way, but I haunted him down because I really wanted him to know, yeah, that it was a bad day. Sure, you know, if I would have kept kidnapping people, which I kidnapped like two people after that, but yeah, but sh- nobody found out. <laughs> uh, At least you didn't I burn them with a crack I mean, pipe, I did, bro. I did two or three, I did two or three drug rips after that. But my point being that. People are going to open up this podcast tomorrow and they're going to go, Joey, what the fuck? You had Carlos on. And I got to be honest with you. Uh, I I know you for 24 years. And a lot of people forgive me in my life. I was not really mad at you at all for no reason. It was just a part of life. It was just a part of comedy at that point. Sure. But now that you made the call... I had to give you the respect, and I wanted people to know how I felt. That I, I'm really happy that you made the call. I'm really happy that you're going to reach out to other people, and make calls, and continue. You have no beef with me, you know. I love you to death. I, ne- I never need. did. No, I no, just no. know. I just know that you were one of those guys that 
I bumped more than one time. No. When you, no. I did, bro. You might not remember, remember bro. Yeah. You and you might not give a shit about it, but, but I remember that. I, I did. I remember one time when uh, you were talking to Dice backstage and you guys were going back and forth. And uh, I believe Eleanor might have been there talking to you guys, and you guys were all talking together. And you had a spot, and I went on for like an hour. And when I got off, when I walked off stage, you you said something in Spanish on the way up, jokingly. But I'll never forget it because it it was funny, and you didn't give a shit. But at the same time, today I look at it and go. Fuck man, that guy went on an hour late and then said, You said something like, Oh, yo, you finally got off come mierda. All right, let me go show these. Yeah, I think you said, like, Oh, you got off come mierda. Well, fuck, let me show these guys a fucking Cuban could do. And then you went on stage and you did your thing and you didn't give a shit. But I look back at moments like that and I go, You know, I wasn't. I wasn't working on a special, bro. I was, you know what I'm saying? Carlos, I wasn't working on shit. I was I just North, going on along, man. When I left North Bergen, I had a, I had like three friends, bro, that when I would disappear for a month or six months, when I come back, they go, Jesus Christ, Joey, go, go. Bro, what did you do? What did you do? People come looking for you at the bar every night. I got people calling the funeral parlor. You know, I had friends that would tell me this shit. And Carlos, for a while, that's how it was. Like, every four conversations was something to do with Carlos. I know. And I would go, listen, guys, either fucking do something or shut the fuck up already. Right. Shut the fuck up. But, bro. It was cool to hate me, though. It was the thing to not yeah, like me, bro. Carlos, you remember those days. It was, uh, and it was everywhere. It, it was, was everywhere. Dude, comedians that had been doing comedy for a year would be like, let me tell you that motherfucker. I was like, who the fuck are you? It was, it, dude, it, it was bad. And here was the worst part, bro. Here's the worst part about it all. Dude, whenever anybody had a problem with me that I knew about, I would always confront them. Even back in those days. I would walk up to Eddie and go, hey, Eddie, I heard you said this. Not man, that's this. Hey, Mooney, I heard that this said, no, oh, brother, brother, I never said that. Oh, never, never, never said that. You know, I was the one that was always going, you know, hey, bro, what's going on? I got, I almost got in a fight sometimes because of that. One of them was with Lopez because he was across, I was eating at the Gaucho Grill, which used to be that Argentinian restaurant right across the street from the, the Laugh factory, factory back in the day. Tremendous. So I used to go there and then I saw on the marquee, you know, Lopez. So I went across the street and I'm like, hey, George, you know, we don't have to be enemies, bro. I, I dig your comedy. I respect you. And he got he got upset and, you know, nothing happened. But, you know, even that moment was me trying to address an issue. You know, it was always me trying How's to address an issue. How's your relationship with him today? You know what? Um, like, we're good, man. I, I haven't talked to him in a while, but, you know, I I... With him, the truth is, is that he'd been doing comedy much longer than me, and I never showed him the respect as a comic. You know what I mean? I was the backup quarterback pretending, you know, acting like I could take over this team, basically, you with the whole Latino thing. And, um, you know, I just I just have, have given him the credit that he deserves for all the stuff, and not ever since, but even way before. I'm not talking about even when he did 
the George Lopez show before that. Him and Paul, I mean, you know, dude, they they were they were the godfathers of Latino comedy. You know, Paul Paul put me on his TV show in Spanish when he had the El Show de Paul Rodriguez on on Univision. I mean, he was dude. He was part of me ending up at HBO. He was an executive producer on Local Slam, so he was you know he was a guy that 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 helped me out and and george was a guy that paved the way for a lot of us and you know when at the time blinders moving forward i got talent <clears throat> i got to do my stuff i i didn't i didn't really have the patience and time to properly thank those guys the way they needed to be thanked and even though i did thank them it wasn't it wasn't the same. The, the attitude wasn't the same. You know what I'm saying? There's you a difference between out to them I love you and I love you. You think I'm reaching out to them today? Oh, yeah, of course, man. Paul, I talked to. Yeah, of course. Um, George, um, yeah, I put put word out to him. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, I here's the beauty of me. You could go online right now and Google my name, and you can find article upon article, people upon people that say bad things about me. The one, The one thing that I pride myself on, bro, to this day... As God is my witness, I don't say bad things about other comics. I, I That was the one thing that I said to myself, you know what? I have not been a pure comic. I have not been a good Christian. I've not been a good Catholic. I've not been all that kind of stuff. But this is one, this is one thing I will not do. I will not engage with all these people and say bad things about them. Because I know there's going to be a tomorrow. I know it. And I know that there's going to be a day when I want to look them in the eye and say, I never said anything bad about you. So I, I didn't. And I haven't. So I got no problems with nobody today, bro. Anybody comes up to me, they want to, you know, talk and be friends or whatever. I'm, I'm down, man. I always have been. Um, so today, today, that's where I'm at. And, 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 I'm, and I'm proud and, and lucky that you know through through the moments when i like i said i had a nine millimeter in my hand and i thought maybe i'd just shoot myself or go to the comedy store and shoot some comics at those minutes those seconds that that happened in my head i'm glad that i didn't go online and say i wasn't on the radio the thousands of times that i've been baited and say hey what do you think about this comic i i don't go there brother because I did this on my own, and 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 I'm and, and and I'm glad that I got out of it, and 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 I'm in a good place, and I have I have integrity, and and that means something to me. I put you on the show because I like what you're doing, and I respect what you're doing as a man, you know, and and I hope that you keep going. I hope that you reach out to everybody at least oh, I will, man. one time and say, "Hey, man." Of course, brother. If I ever did something, I just I want to do business here the same way you did it to me. That was that was it meant the world because a lot of people walk around confused and they don't know, especially a Spanish dude, to come to terms and call you up and say thank you, and it meant the world to me, Carlos. Right. So anytime you want to come on, bro, you're more than welcome. Anytime, brother. I'm happy you came on, you know, and uh, I wanted just to put you on to let people know, bro, that. Uh, we're all about second chances, man. This is all about fucking second chances, Carlos. Life is too fucking long. We're talking about being 50. <laughs> How you look at your 49 now. 49, bro. bro. You're going to be 50 in that morning. October. You're going to wake up and go, here we go. Yeah. This is it. So, bro, I know exactly how you feel. So, uh, 
Thank you. Thank You're you welcome, for man. fucking apologizing. Thank you for Not taking all, care of yourself. And uh, thank you. Are you still in therapy? Oh, yeah, yeah, still. Okay. Once a week. Good for you. you still <laughs> I'm up once every other week now, but still, yeah. Fine tuning all the time. You know, and. Uh, you got to look within, bro. The answers are always within. The answers in the, are rarely outside, bro. The answers are almost always, if not always, inside of you. The cures, the, the diseases, it's all inside of you. You know, like I could have been a different comic when I was younger, befriended people, and. All that would have been different. Like you're talking about Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer gets accused. And a lot of people still defend her. Because she has friends. Because she has connections. Because she has people that go, yo, man, that's not the kind of person that she is. You know what I mean? I, I like that because that's what I cultivated. You know? I cultivated. It's what you said. I'm on stage going, you're going to fucking hate me anyway. Oh, well. I'm going to do what I'm going to do then. You know? No, As but there was a time to, when I saw you. You know and what I mean? And I knew exactly where you were coming from. Right. Because I've been there. When I lived in Jersey, they hated me anyway. I might as well keep robbing you. <laughs> I might as well keep robbing you. Thank you again for coming on, brother. I love you, Carl. Appreciate it, brother. Let's get the fuck out of here. At least I am. Somebody who Don't forget, I'm going to be a Wise Guys comedy at uh, in Salt Lake City, the 5th and 6th, next Friday and Saturday. Then the week after, I'm going to be in Milwaukee, at a theater, go to joeydiaz.net and click on to Milwaukee and they'll tell you all the details, the ticket prices and all that. It's cheap. It's going to be a great show. It's myself and Matt Fultron. Listen, let me ask you people something. You guys like comedy, obviously. You listen to me, you listen to Bill Burry like a lot of people. And you go from uh, place to place watching comedy. Well, that doesn't have to happen anymore because all the great comedy is on CISO. CISO's a one- Stop shopping. They have my special on there. Not only that, you get unlimited access to CISO original series, next day, late night, hilarious stand-up specials, and binge-worthy classics, including 42 seasons of Saturday Night Live and the entire Monty Python catalog, the It Crowd, and more. With CISO, you get binge-worthy classics, British cult comedy original series with like Harmon Quest and bajillion dollar properties, not to mention the entire, again, the entire SNL library, including new episodes the day after the year. Plus, CISO brings stand-up right to your living room with exclusive content from today's best comedians, on-demand and commercial-free. Sign up now and catch brand-new stand-up specials from Nick DiPaolo, Big J. Okerson, and Uncle Joey Coco Diaz, all right? Or watch your favorite sets from comedians like Louis C.K., Amy Schumer, and Hannibal Barris. Access CISO content from anywhere, anytime using iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Windows, or Xbox One. Ready for the punchline? CISO is $3.99 per month. That's no joke. $3.99 per month for all the comedy you want, anytime, anywhere, ad-free. Just go to CISO.com right now and sign up for one month free with promo code JOEY at checkout. That's CISO.com, spelled S-E-E-S-O.com, promo code JOEY. I'm giving you one month. CISO.com, promo code JOEY. No ads, no joke. CISO is the comedy you crave, all right? Number two, listen, you're going to smoke dope. You're going to jump up and down. You're going to look for potato chips. You're going to eat butter and bread. 
Trust me, I've been there. That's over. You know why? Because from now on, when you want a snack and all you can find is junk food, you can rely on self-control to resist the temptation. Please, you eat that junk food. But now you're going to start snacking healthy with Nature Box. Nature Box makes snacks that actually taste great and are better for you. Created with high-quality ingredients that are free-form artificial colors, flavors, or sweetness. So you can feel great about snacking. My personal favorite are the chocolate nom-noms and the salt and pepper lentil loops. I love those lentil loops. You understand me? Nature Box recently made their service even better than what they were before. Now you can order as much as you want, as often as you want, with no minimum purchase, no minimum purchase required, and you can cancel at any time. Who's better than you? It's simple. Go to naturebox.com and check out their snack catalog. There are over 100 snacks to choose from, and they're constantly adding delicious new snacks. Choose the snacks you want, and they'll deliver them right to your door. Right to your door. With Nature Box, you'll never get bored. Their new snacks each month, inspired by real customer feedback. And if you ever try a snack you don't like, listen, Nature Box will replace it for free. Gratis. That's it. They want you to be happy. That's what customer service is about. Do me a favor. You'll save even more right now. Nature Box, they're going to offer all you beautiful people 50% off your first order when you go to naturebox.com slash Joey. Again, that's naturebox.com slash Joey for 50% off your first order of the healthiest, best tasting snacks you ever have. Again, naturebox.com slash Joey. I want to thank my man Lee Sayat. I want to thank Nature Box. I want to thank CISO. I want to thank Onnit. I want to thank you people for understanding where I'm coming from on this podcast. It may not be what you wanted to hear tonight, but I got to tell you something. You got to forgive at some point. Fuck it. Stay black. Have a great weekend. See you Monday night. Don't forget Wise Guys Salt Lake City next week. And then Detroit's all sold out on the 13th, but on the 12th, we got Milwaukee. Go to joeydiaz.net for the tour information. I'm coming to your town. Stay black.
Question. 